0: Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I am Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the CEO of Little Giant Ladder Company. I think that's how you say it. Um, It's Little Giant. I mean, everybody knows who that is. So listen, do me a favor and share this out. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you share this out. So... Stay with me. I will be right back and we will be bringing Ryan Moss onto the show. This is going to be exciting. And we are back. Let me bring Ryan on. Ryan, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you, Ken. Appreciate you having me on.
0: I am so grateful. I'm excited to have you here as well. I know that um we have a mutual friend. And in fact, I'd like to like to surprise you with something here real quick before we get started. I'd like to bring Mr. Doug Wing in for hey. a second. <laughs> Doug, it's been a while
2: hey ryan it's great to see you uh this this is your show i just wanted to pop on and say hi and uh congratulate you and everyone else at little giant for for what's going on there i've heard things are just crazy busy there and it's great to see you well
1: well good to see you and and thank you doug
2: yeah um My question is, is uh, one of my questions before I go, because I want to watch the show. Uh, Do you want me to send you, the book is out and um, it's- I've read it. Okay, but I'm sending you a hard copy and it will be signed. So I'll just mail it to you.
1: Great. Thank you.
2: All right. Take care, Ryan. This is your show. I just wanted to say hi and uh, congratulations on everything over there. I love everybody there. So
1: thank you and good to see
2: you. Take care. Take care. Bye. See you, Doug. See you guys.
0: You have to click. You know what to do. Click leave studio.
2: <laughs> Listen, I'm the I'm so untechnical savvy. See you guys. Bye.
0: <laughs> See you. <it. laughs> He's so funny. Oh my gosh. So I, I talked to Doug. He's like, I said, dude, come on, say hi real quick. So, so, um, so Ryan, you know, I did start the show about four years ago. Um, And it's it's it literally is to help people get unstuck in life, because I think that, you know, people go through stuff and um, they don't have a ladder to climb over that wall or they, you know, they just can't get through it. So um, that's what this is about. So why don't you start with telling everybody a little bit about you, like where you were born and raised?
1: um well born is easy raised is uh that's a different story because it was kind of all over but uh i was i was born in las vegas don't remember being there because uh, my parents moved to uh, riverside california and from california to oregon and washington and a couple places in idaho and we ended up uh, in all places, North Dakota. Um, and then, uh, kind of landed in Utah when I was 15 years old. And so I would say that, that's home now and, and been since I was 15, but my father was in insurance. So we moved around quite a bit when I was young.
0: Wow. So he was like insurance sales.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Life and disability. And, uh, wow. so he would open territories. And so we, we kind of moved, uh, moved around quite a
0: bit. Wow so so you um I, I i'm assuming then that you finished high school in in utah then
1: Yep. Okay. yes uh, you yeah, know springville high and finished up there
0: and did did you end up going to college
1: not a day um i i ended up uh right out of high school serving a mission for our church. And yeah. um, shortly after I got, uh, got back, I started working in, uh, it was early winter, kind of, uh, I guess it was January, 1984. Um, I started working in construction. Back then winters were more severe than they are now. And so you would work a day and not a day because of weather and that kind of thing. And I had a friend that was working at Little Giant Ladders and, uh, he said, Hey, this is indoors and in four days a week. And, uh, I thought, okay, great. I'll just do that until I figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah. And now, uh, a- April 1st will be 38 years later that I still haven't figured out what I'm going to do with my
0: life. <laughs> Here I am. Oh my gosh. I can so relate to that statement. Um, so, so, so you, um, it, you but you got into construction how long were you in construction before you um, i mean inevitably you made the leap and started started working at little giant but what what uh what was in between and what was the time frame
1: um really it was only a couple of months like i say it was uh it was oh. winter time and because it was so sporadic uh the work that you you know i I was ready to go to work every day, but because of weather, it was just really sporadic. And so, only a couple of months in construction, and then uh, started in manufacturing at uh, at Little Giant thirty eight
0: years ago. Jeez, wow! Well, Brian Sharp said I was using my Little Giant this morning. Amazing product! It really is. I I, I told I owned two Little Giant ladders before I ever even knew Doug Wing. And so I think I bought them on the, the QVC <laughs> infomercial I, or I bought one of them at least from that. So, um, so, so you started working at little giant now, did you, and you mentioned like the mission that you served and all that, I, I, an interesting question uh, that you're going to, it's going to come completely out of left field. You're going to be like, what, um, have you ever had a gun pulled on you?
1: Um, I actually have. I don't know, I don't know why that uh, um, that question came up, but I have. Uh, you know, it's part of it's uh, part of the mission. You go door to door, and I, yes. I went to St. Louis, Missouri, um, for my mission. And so, one evening, um, uh, there was a gentleman that opened up the the door just a little bit, and I kind of stuck my head around to say, you know, who we were and why we were there, and I felt the a shotgun right up underneath my chin like this. And the gentleman said, uh, get off my step and um, we kindly backed away and moved on. So oh yes, my God. Did, uh, not only one pulled on me, but stuck right up underneath my jaw.
0: That would build character.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's oh. crazy. Wow. That's one of the ones you don't write home and tell mom. About. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I think you know who the little birdie is that told me that story. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's it's impressive to me that you've been with the same company for 38 years and you started, is it called an assembly line? I don't know, is that what it's called? Yeah, or? yeah sure,
1: manufacturing, production, assembly, that,
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, so when, when you started there 38 years ago, did you have your eyes set on the role and title of CEO?
1: Um, truthfully, I never thought um, that I would be able to uh, become the CEO, but I did have my sights set on becoming the president. Um, wow. I, I figured it being a family run business and a couple of sons in the business that um, CEO might not be in the cards for me, but I, but I did have aspirations to move up within the company.
0: That's awesome. And, and what are some of the things that you feel like um, you did as an employee of the company to position yourself to be, I mean, because there's hundreds of employees there, right? So what, what did you do to separate yourself to stand, stand out?
1: Um, well, I think one of the things that, uh, my parents blessed me with was the, uh, knowledge and the experience of hard work. Um, they taught, uh, myself and my siblings that work was the way that you were going to get through life. And, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I think about the time we spent in North Dakota, we originally had moved into Bismarck in a, uh, you know, in, in the city. And, um, we lived there for about a year and, and life was great because in Idaho, before moving to North Dakota, we'd been on a farm and I had, uh, you know, at the in third grade, I had a paper route and I would saddle my little Shetland pony every day. And I would deliver papers off of the Shetland pony and, oh and milk a cow uh, in the evenings. And, I wouldn't let a third grader near a cow, right? So my, wow. my l- young life was filled with hard work. When we moved to North Dakota, we moved into the city, there were no chores. And so it was fun with friends and riding bikes and you know playing basketball, doing all the fun things that kids did. Uh, my father um, about a year into that said this is no way to raise kids. So he bought 80 acres outside of town, about 13 miles outside of town. And, um, we proceeded to fence the entire thing and build corrals. And we, my father, his name is Newell. Um, but, uh, we joke that, um, he had Newell's Ark because he bought uh, instead of Noah's Ark, if you can, yeah, yeah. Bought every animal known to man. I mean, we have buffalo <laughs> and llamas and cows and chickens and Guinea fowl and you name it. We had it, um, literally dozens and dozens of species and, and we were, you know, the ones to take care of them as kids. And so especially my brothers and I, and um, there was a big garden plot. And on that spot where my parents wanted to have the garden was used to be an old dump where farmers would put all their old equipment and all, you know, everything that they didn't want. And of course we had to have that all removed. And we put a garden that I felt like was the size of Texas. And so it was always a lot of work. but I owe so much of what I know and understand in the way of hard work to my parents um, because of the, uh, the example and the fact that they just didn't want us to spend our life just playing but really appreciating hard work. And so I, I would say first and foremost, um, going to Little Giant, I made sure I did my job. And then anywhere that I could, and especially as I moved um, you know, into different positions take care of my job first. And then what could I do to help somebody else be successful?
0: Yeah, And
1: I really feel like that was a part of my success is do more than what was required of me. Yeah, And I kind of even hate to say my success because the success of me really um, has nothing to do with me. It's the team that's around me and uh, wonderful people that do you know, all of the things that are required to really make a uh, company successful. And so I'm just a piece of that entire team that really makes, a, makes it all happen. But um, I think wow. uh, between really trying to help others be successful and then one other thing, uh, Doug's father Hal was, he was my friend and mentor and we, we got really, really close over the years um, I made it a point to understand uh, what he wanted out of the business. And I made it a point to understand him, to really get to where I knew what he was thinking and making sure that we were kind of heading towards that, what he had ultimately would want. Um, I got to the point that I could tell the mood he was in by the clothes he wore when he walked <laughs> into the into the front uh, front door. I mean, it was... It was that, um, wow, really that much trying to really understand the man. And he and I did think a lot alike. Um, and and I think that was a big part of that relationship and why I had opportunities to grow. But I, I think a big part of it was just honestly trying to understand what did he want? What right. did he want out of that business? And how did he see, um, the way we should be working and what we should be working on. And, and, you know, for the most part, emulating what he wanted out of the business, he was the owner. And so I think that helped a lot.
0: You know, I, you, you made a couple of points that, I mean, I have literally said that every kid coming out of high school should number one, go sell something door to door for a couple of years. And number two, do some farm work, go bale hay, spend an entire summer working on a farm, baling hay, milking cows, doing all the stuff, and you, you will appreciate every other job you have from that point forward. Oh, sure. It's brutal. I I've I've bailed hay. It is brutal, brutal work picking up bales of hay, having snakes and mice and everything else run at you. It, it's insane. So yep.
1: That um, is hard work, hard work. I, it, I, I'd hire a farm kid any day of the week.
0: Any Those day. Kids, they know how to work. Amen. I agree. Thousand percent. So, so, so you, you really, um, you, you were, I don't know what the word would be, intuitive. Like you, you really intuitively knew that you needed to, to, to get to know how and get to know what, how was, what his vision was was for the the company yeah um you know doug doug's told stories about how um coming back from being out of town and and going over to the shop and inspecting ladders and saying no 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 and piling them all up and scrapping an entire whatever were you ever a part of that
1: Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, there were times that uh, all of us were part of something, whether we wanted to be or not, um, (laughs) we were all a part of something. Al, I I love him. He was was a good, good man, but very, very driven. And um, he had this insatiable appetite for cleanliness, for order, for organization, for productivity. And uh, if it wasn't quite right, you found out. um, Yeah. And there were you know there were a few times that I was uh, let know and in, in no uncertain terms that things were gonna be a different way and you know we yeah. we kind of all experienced that those of us that kind of grew up in the business so to speak, but uh, yeah, in the end what he was trying to accomplish was right um, He might have been a little zealous at times in the whole thing but but it was right,
0: yeah, sure so, yeah yeah so so when you I mean, did you, like? I'm sure there's ranks that you had to move up through. You didn't go from manufacturing directly to CEO, I'm assuming. I could be wrong. No, I
1: I moved uh, from manufacturing. I actually had the opportunity to become the shop foreman after only two years in the company, um, which was really quite frightening because I was young at the time. I would have been 23 years old. And um, so I was young. A lot of the people that were then going to report to me were more than double my age, um, had been with the company longer. It was, uh, you know, it was kind of, honestly, it was a frightening experience, but I think um, it worked well because I had spent, you know, the previous two years on the floor building product and understood how. And so I wasn't, uh, you know, just directing people on something that I hadn't done myself already. Um, And also the team knew that I was willing to do anything that I was asking of them. And so we worked together well, but yeah, I had an opportunity to be the shop foreman for a number of years, uh, a plant manager for a number of years, vice president of uh, manufacturing, chief operations officer, and. 2008 i was uh given the opportunity to uh lead the company as as the ceo that's
0: so incredible man and I, I so i do know obviously i have a little bit um of an upper hand on anyone else that would interview you <laughs> I, I have some inside info but i know that that you you uh, do you own or you developed uh, multiple patents for a variety of different things that have to do with ladders and other things, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: so yeah. what are what are some of the it, I, I love creativity. I, I'm 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 absolutely in love with with the the you know people that get really creative with stuff. So what are some of the things that you've done to improve um, little giant ladders? because there's no other ladder like it in the world. We know that.
1: Well, and you're right. And most people kind of know us for the aluminum articulating ladder. It's probably the one you have. um, Yeah. We are so much more than that. Um, Right. If I I could, I would maybe take you back to a to a transition um, in the in the company. Um, But maybe what I had to do is even go back just a little further to kind of set up how we got to um, really innovating and creating new products um, yeah back around uh, 2002 there was a group of us in our conference room and uh, we were having a meeting and somebody came into the conference room and laid out a USA Today newspaper full full page ad inside of that newspaper was a uh, an ad for an identical replica of the little giant ladder. Now, this is the first time we've seen a copy of our product. Bill oh. had two, two years left on the patents. Um, the product said it was available at Home Depot and it was exactly half the price of what we sold that product for. Wow. It was coming out of China. Um, ours was made in America at the time and it was a gut shot. Um, it was absolutely a gut shot. We later learned that the company that knocked us off had went, went to one of our shows where our salesman demonstrated the product, bought the ladder, sent it to China, and told them to copy it. And they copied it identical, absolutely identical. In fact, you could take the components off of theirs and put them on ours. That's how, that's how uh, mirrored the copy was. Um, even the extrusion lines that uh, you would find in the ch- channel and tube, which for us would help us identify which uh, extruder they came from. In yeah. China, they also copied those, not knowing what those li- <laughs> extrusion lines were for. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it was an identical, identical copy. And, and we were selling, you know, toe to toe. We didn't have the big show like the Home Depot, right? We're doing home and garden shows, trade shows, state fairs we were doing grassroots marketing and it was a slug, right? You know, you just mm. go, go, just, just really, really hard work. Well, now they're half the price oh in a platform like, uh, like Home Depot. And so what, um, what that did is sent a ripple through our company. Um, you know, people, our salesmen are like, Hey, I'm never going to be able to sell another ladder again. I got kids that I got to put through college. I need to make a mortgage. You know, how are we going to do this? And and it was it was a frightening time for many. Um, wow! What we did um, ultimately is decided to uh, create an infomercial. Now it's it's a good thing, and I'm leading up. Uh, this is going to be a long answer to your. No,
0: question. No, I love I love this story. Lead yeah. up
1: to the innovation. It's it's a good thing we didn't understand infomercials because we probably <laughs> wouldn't have done it. Uh, to put it in context, usually one infomercial out of a hundred works um and so you know typically they're short-lived they just don't make any money they um you know they do an okay job of branding but but we didn't understand any of that so we put a, a a team together and and um doug's brother art wing uh led that team on the infomercial and did a fantastic job and he gathered some experts around and some people that were pretty passionate about it. And um, so Hal's uh, or sorry, Doug's father, Hal, uh, you know, then the found, founder and owner of the company um, was really kind of, I'm not sure about this infomercial thing. Help me understand. And I remember numerous times he and I having a conversation about it. And the only thing I could tell him was, I don't know much. All I know is that for 30 years, when we stood in front of people and did a demonstration, we sold product. And I gotta believe an infomercial is gonna be a bigger audience and we'll sell product. Yeah, uh, It's much more than that. But ultimately, because it was in 2002, if you remember what happened in 2001, the Twin Towers come down, yeah. our sales had gone down quite a bit. We were off by 20% in sales, so we didn't have the money for an infomercial. Hal uh, had a little spring uh, farm here in Springville, Utah. He literally bet the farm on the infomercial borrowed a million dollars we didn't have we took eight months created the infomercial and a lot a lot of work uh, happened within our own organization on scripting and, yeah. and b-roll and all that art led all of that um, did a masterful job at it and um, so it's time to do the first airing right we've spent our million bucks and there's now life in the it back in everybody is hey we're going to conquer we're going to be the ones to uh, to kind of um, uh, uh, show the world that we were the originators not this copy that's in Home Depot right. Do our first airing on the uh, infomercial and we sold uh, one ladder right. So four phone calls sold one ladder. So you got to think about another gut shot right. We just spent a million dollars we don't have. We got four phone calls and, and sold one ladder. Um, It was, you know, the same gut shot again. Fortunately, one of the gentlemen on the infomercial team said, Hey, you know, a 25% close rate is pretty good. It's pretty good. And we're like, yeah, but it was four ladder, four phone calls. Right. So it's going to take a lot of bearings at one ladder at a time. If you're only going to sell one (laughs) anyway. Uh, long story short, went back, changed some of the show. They, you know, the infomercial show, the call to action, the B-roll, that kind of thing, and it took off. Wild, wild success. We grew by six hundred percent the first year, five hundred percent the year after that. It was, wow. it was staggering growth, and it put Little Giant on the map globally. Um, and it that was exactly what we needed. Now. We were selling a lot of ladders. We also sold a bucket load of ladders for that competitor that had knocked us off. Uh, them, right? Because they were half the price. Yeah, We ended up in Home Depot side by side on the shelf. We were 400. They were 200. We still sold lots and lots of ladders because of the that branding exercise. And it was a branding exercise that actually went wrong in a good way, meaning we made money. Yeah, we had a good run, and when you're successful that way, every retailer under the sun wants a part of it, right? So we have calls from, you know, QVC and Costco and Bed Bath and Beyond and Linens and things, and anywhere that you wouldn't even think you would sell a ladder, we were selling ladders because of the success of that. But as you know, what goes up must come down, and so <laughs> eventually, you know, you, you you kind of get the other side of that, and we have taken many years of sales and compressed them into this big bell curve, right? So we had this massive growth, but then as the popularity of it started to wane, right? That's coming down. And so we kind of lost the infomercial sale, lost the retailer and then 2008 happened and we lost the general contractor. Hence, um, you kind of lost all of these revenue sources at once. 2008 was the opportunity that I had to become the, the CEO of the company, and um, it, was a it was a troubling time. That I is remember. the
0: worst year in the history of mankind to take over as CEO. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> one of my first uh, initiatives was to um, reduce my own salary and ask others in the company to do the same thing, and many others did. Wow, uh, uh, Doug's brother Art uh, did and and some of the other leadership in the company um, all uh, reduced our salaries. and we went to work. Um, so the challenge was, you know, kind of knowing that we'd compressed all these sales, what are we gonna do? Um, and so I knew we needed to innovate. I knew we needed to create some products um, because we had, you know, really, sold a lot of these products, many years worth into the future, into a short period of time. So we started to innovate. Um, So one of the first things I did was hire some more engineers and some some people in marketing. And we we began to innovate. Um, We got it terribly wrong, terribly wrong. Um, We spent years making really, really cool stuff, but we forgot to ask anybody if we were solving any problems, if we were innovating anything that was meaningful, right? We just made cool stuff. And and I can say we definitely were um, we were definitely do, going about it right as far as you know kind of benefit or you know you know making something that was new and different, but but we really did it wrong when we forgot to listen to the voice of the customer and to see what problems it was that we needed to solve so we spent another couple of that, that couple of years working on stuff and that's money that was just getting burned during that time learning that we need to innovate in a different way yeah. and so once we learned to listen to the customer it changed for us so we went through this time period where we started bringing in a lot of uh, people from construction sites, a lot of safety professionals going around the country, visiting different people and just talking to them about challenges they were having with uh, ladder accidents yeah, um, and and the use of ladders. And especially the, the people in, you know, with uh, safety professionals, they would specifically talk about ladder accidents. And I remember we brought a group of safety professionals into our facility and the numbers of stories I would hear about people that were hurt and um, that uh, were killed on ladders. And I said, wow, this is just, I've never really heard this side of it. And through the process of this um, discovery of, of ladders and how people use them and what challenges they had, uh, we learned that every day in America, there were 2,000 ladder accidents that were reported. There's actually more than that, but reported is 2,000. Wow. And 100 disabilities every day from those accidents and a death every day from those accidents on ladders. And I thought, oh, that can't be right. At the time, I was on the board of the American Ladder Institute. Today, I'm the president of that organization, but I thought that can't be right because we've never talked about that in our board meetings. We've never talked about that at all as an organization, that number can't be right. And um, come to find out it was right. Um, that's wow. that's like the reality of it. And, and I thought, oh my gosh, if this was like the airline industry, there'd be congressional hearings about this every day, right? You know, they yeah. would do something about this. And so we, kind of were learning a lot on this. Um, along the way, I discovered a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. Uh, the guy is, I think, a genius and um, just really a, uh, a masterful mind when it comes to understanding the way we think and why we do things and all that. So Big, big fan. So I read the book and I'm fascinated with it. And if you haven't read the book, um, it, the premise is, is that people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yep. And, um, so after I read it, I asked our executive team to read it again with me and that we were going to meet every couple of weeks and go through, we we're going to create our own why. And, um, Beautiful. so we go through the entire process and it, t- it took us a few months and we go through the entire process and we're like, okay, great. We have our why. And um, again, we got it terribly wrong. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna tell you what we thought it was. I'm embarrassed to tell you what we thought it was, um, but I'm going to tell you because it leads to where we're going. Um, so we thought our why was chasing excellence and we had all the justification for it right was that that we're going to do it with speed and that you know you 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 know when you're chasing something you never catch it and obviously excellence is never achievable and so we're going to just you know we had all these reasons but if you know anything about the premise of the book that that makes no sense right 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 but we justified it right so we went on and like okay this is it and i remember a couple of weeks later i was uh, about to get on a plane come back to to utah and i got a call from uh, ted hartman who at the time was over our marketing and he says hey um the whole chasing excellence thing we're we're struggling and i said oh i'm so glad you're talking to me about this because i don't feel anything i feel like if you have a why a reason to get out of bed you should like feel like Yes. There's something to it, and uh, so we both both agreed. All right, this is this can't be right. So I came back and I said, guys, can we do the exercise again? So we read the book again, we go through the whole exercise, and it was during this time that we had been listening to all these safety professionals and listening to the voice of the customer, and we learn mm-hmm. about the latter accidents, mm-hmm. and we hit it uh, at the second time going through the book preventing injuries and saving lives. That's what we do. We've always made better products. And so our why is to prevent injuries and save lives through better climbing equipment. And so it completely invigorated uh, almost 40-year-old company at that time, right? Completely invigorated us because now it was not make a ladder, sell a ladder. It was, well, what if we could get the one home, one person home tonight that wouldn't have normally came home tonight like he would never know and we'll never know because we did our job right right he will come home and he could go play soccer with his kids or a piano recital or date with his wife or whatever but wouldn't that be the better reason to come to work and so it totally invigorated us but also made decision-making very very easy anybody that had an idea a new product or any idea we just asked the question will that lead to preventing an injury and saving a life? Wow. If it's yes, okay, let's do it. If it's no, let's move on, right? So it really was invigorating for our company and it helped us totally change the way we were innovating, what we were innovating and why we were doing it. So there's five leading causes of ladder accidents. And so we just address those. And so to wrap up, here's my long answer to your question about- No, I love it. I love it. so we kind of really had to understand well why do people get hurt on ladders and most of the time it's because they're trying to hurry right and we've all done this we're standing too high on the ladder or we're overreaching or we're on the wrong ladder all of those things because we're trying to be productive productive so we have to create a balance between safety and productivity because people are usually unsafe when they're trying to be more productive but we address that through all of our product innovation. And uh, if you were to go over to our website today, you'd be like, oh, my word. I had no idea Little Giant made all of these different products. And to look at the innovation, and it's all fueled by our insatiable desire to get people home safe at night. And, um, and it just made it easy on what to innovate because let's help, let's help the user you know, be protected from themselves, right? Let's address the ways that they're hurting themselves.
0: What, so, you know, if you go back though, to the infomercial, which, what year was that?
1: that so was- we launched the infomercial infomercial in 2003.
0: Okay. I, th- that's right. So, so if you, you know, think about, because I, I I've seen it, I know I've seen it probably dozens of times, but um, it, 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 there's, there's not a lot of talk about the safety part. Is there? No. Um, it, it's there, the, look there, how there cool is this about, is.
1: Maybe in a, in a, in a roundabout way, we talk yeah. about yeah. strength and versatility, but not sure. necessarily the discussion about safety. Sure. So that came later. Um, safety's hard to sell. Actually, it's not very sexy and people don't want to talk about it but we use it to rationalize purchases. You know, all of us talk about disc brakes on our vehicles, but that's not why we buy them, right? right? We buy the vehicle because we think we're gonna look cool in it, right? Right, so, right. Um, but we rationalize it with, you know, airbags and and disc brakes or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. We,
0: you know, what, what was the light bulb moment? I mean, you, you talked about getting the phone call when you were getting ready to board the aircraft and, and, and your marketing guy saying, this this is not and you're like yeah i I, i'm not feeling it either but there then you came back and you're like what what i find interesting is your entire executive team including you went through the book you you studied it together and and you you decided to go back to the same book that misled you the first time (laughs) i'm kidding it wasn't the book but it wasn't the book no, I know, I know, I know. But you went back to that and what so where was the moment? What was there a moment where it's like somebody flipped the lights on, and you're like this is it?
1: I really feel like it was part of that collaborative discussion. One of those chapters we're reading in the book and we're getting close to really kind of discussing why, you know, what is it that we really do and what what is it that we're proud of and what we had recently learned about these ladder accidents. And it just was kind of a collaboration of us all realizing, no, we've always made a better product. We've always made a safer product. We realized at that time we kind of had a one trick pony. Yeah, Um, It was that articulating ladder. And we realized looking back that in a way we had always done that with that product. Um, these ladder accidents weren't really happening on our product. We had very, very few claims on those. And we looked at, well, why is that? And it was because it was overbuilt, because it was strong, because it was versatile and gave people the ab- ability to get into a staircase and not do it in a tricky way, do it in a way that it's you should, right? And so yeah. that versatility and strength and all that, that, it had already been in us, and we didn't realize it because it was just a part of what we grew up with and we didn't realize what we had.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Brian Sharp is on here. He said he had a ladder accident and that's the main reason he bought a little giant. So, and I know a lot of people, I've, I've heard that. I'm sure you've heard it far more than I have, but you know, I think that uh, it's interesting that you say, and it, it, you know, take, little giant and ladders and all of that out of the equation and and you know go back to the Simon Sinek thing where you you said um finding your why so if it's if it's a dentist a chiropractor an attorney a plumber it doesn't matter what business it is you're saying that if you have a strong enough why you can become extremely successful is that
1: I, I 100% believe it. Um, and you joked a little bit about, you know, going back to the same book. It was us that got it wrong. But <laughs> yeah. Simon nails it in there uh, yeah. and, and uses yeah. some great examples um, in there. But I will tell you a number of people, because I've shared this, uh, you know, in some public speaking and, and whatnot before, um, and people have come up and, you know, they talk about, Wanting to go through that process of discovering their why, or or how they've maybe tried, and uh, this is the one thing that I can tell you: it's incredibly difficult. And I think that's why a lot of companies don't have a why. Um, it's not something that you're going to sit down on an afternoon and you're going to just pull one out of the air and it's like, yeah, that's it. That's why we get out of bed. And that what you know, it it this is this is something that you really have to think. Um, hard about what do you believe inside of you and what could really motivate you to jump out of bed and say, I'm going to go do that today because I'm excited about it. That it's not, I mean, for us ladders and the like, because our product line continues to expand is they're just vehicles to help get people home safely at night, right? That's really what we're doing. The others are just the vehicle to do it. Um, your show, for example, and what you do in this breakthrough walls, you have a why you've maybe never articulated it. Maybe you have, um, but I know there's one in there yeah. that um, would either change your show or it would stay exactly the same if you already articulated it, or if you went through that process and you said, "No, what is the why am I? Why do I really have this show on? Why what is this podcast supposed to do for anybody?" It would either continue to drive what you're doing right now, or it would veer yeah. you off to something that would, no matter what it is, right, any company can create it. You just have to know it's not going to be overnight, and it will take genuine effort to get to one that you, here's how you know if you've you've nailed it. In my opinion, you feel it. You don't have to justify it. If you have to justify it, you didn't get it. That is. If you say that again
0: for the people in the back, so they can hear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that.
1: If you feel it, you've nailed it. Um, If you have to justify it, then go back to work. (laughs) Go back to figuring out what it is. Dude, that I just called
0: you, dude, sir. <laughs> that, that is, I'm,
1: I'm okay, I've been called a lot worse than that. Just so you know,
0: <laughs> I'm so used to talking with Doug and I like, I just feel like, um, but you know, I, I, that might be one of the most brilliant things that I've ever heard said on this show. If you feel it, you've nailed it. If you have to justify it, you've missed it. And it's time to go back to work. That's incredible. That's, that's tweetable. Somebody needs to tweet that out. That's, that's incredible. So, so let me ask you a question that I I normally say for the end of the show, but I, I have a feeling that you'll be able to, um, expand a little bit on this. Um, I'm always interested in, you know, I, I, I can work 16, 17 hours a day. I mean, I, I, I'm 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 a CEO too, <laughs> not of hundreds of employees, but but I, I you know um but I you know I, I'm always curious to hear why somebody like you would would what do you think is holding people back in life from achieving two things? Number one, real financial success. And number two, happiness, freedom, if you would like, and, and I do think they're, they're related because I've been broke really, really broke and I've been wealthy and wealthy is way better and I'm happier when I'm wealthy. So I'm just, just but so, so what do you think is stopping people in life?
1: It's a great question, and and I'm going to give uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger the, um, the credit. Um, so he says it very, very well. If we just um, get on an airplane and say, fly, take me somewhere, we're going to end up anywhere, right? But if you know where you want to go, if you have a vision for where you want to go, you will end up there, right? You tell the pilot, I want to go to this place and you're going to end up there. Yeah. And uh, Arnold was one who demonstrated um, throughout his whole life, uh, that if you have a vision, then it makes the rest of it uh, so much easier because you know where you're going and what's required to get to the vision. Um, but if you uh, just kind of get up and do your thing and say, well, I'll eventually get somewhere. You will, uh, you'll just get to wherever it is. You continue to, uh, kind of just plod along, but it doesn't mean that that's where you wanted to get to. You will just get somewhere. Mm. and I think it honestly is having a, a vision. Or where is it you want to go? In, in Arnold's case, he wanted to be, you know, Mr. World, Mr. Olympia, Mr. And he would smile through the the reps he was doing because he could see himself being that. He could see himself being governor. He could see himself acting in movie. He could see all of these things because he wanted it. And he said, it made it easy for me because I knew where I wanted to go. Um, and and I, I I believe that is for all of us. If we pick, like, where is it? that I want to be, then we know all of the things that are required, or we can find out the things that are required if we don't intuitively know. What are the things that are going to be required for me to get from here to here? Because I can't just get in a plane and say, fly, right? <laughs> right. It, you know, because you're going to end up anywhere. Yeah. you you got to know where it is that you're going to go. And so I, I really feel like that is the the key um, is having a vision for what it is that you want to accomplish in your personal life, right? If, if I want to lose 20 pounds, right. And my vision is to look a certain way. And now I have to put all the pieces together and know I got to change my diet. i got to do some exercise. I need to sleep better. All these things, it is uh, my chances of losing that 20 pounds are so much greater than just saying, man, I wish I looked like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Have you been reading my goals or something? What's up with that?
1: (laughs) No, that's mine, just so you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Doug Doug says here, Hal Wing had vision, amazing self-belief, outworked everyone, and never gave up.
1: Oh, did he ever. Hal? I would, I would put him against anybody. And I mean, literally anybody. And I saw it so many times in my life. You never wanted to bet against him because that was all the fuel he needed. (laughs) All he needed. Don't ever tell the man that something can't be done because he would be the first to prove it could be done.
0: (laughs) I've heard so many stories about him riding a dirt bike, wheelies, crashing into the little giant building and knocking himself out. And
1: oh. uh, on and on and on
0: it's it's unbelievable lived
1: life to the fullest um all here's the thing well i could take out one one instant in my life um but all the rest of my near-death experiences were with in a car in a boat on a motorcycle on a snowmobile i mean all of them were with how um oh my gosh Cringe and, you know, the hair on the back of my neck when up when I think about some of these experiences, because it was always on the edge, life on the edge. It was wow. life to the fullest.
0: Well, and I, you know, that's an example for, for, I think everyone, because, you know, at the end of the day, none of us get out of here alive. You that know. is so true i said the other day to somebody i said are are, are you really living or are you just trying not to die <laughs> like you know
1: that, that reminds me of one of the things hal used to say is there's a lot worse things in life than dying and uh, <laughs> right. and and for him it was not living right yeah. not living is worse than dying and so it's um uh he was such a such a great friend and and mentor and and, and he, we we're really, really blessed because of a lot of the things that he, he taught us and, and, and just some of it was just enjoy, how to enjoy life.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and obviously how to innovate or at least take a deep dive into innovation. It sounds like you have some of that, um, you know, built in innately to yourself um yeah D- doug said ask ryan about doing 100 miles an hour on main street
1: <laughs> oh man yeah i'll tell you really quickly from our old facility you used to go about a quarter mile and then the road took a hard uh, 90 right and then really short a hard 90 left and uh Hal had gotten a new uh porsche i forget which model it was uh, I don't remember if it was a 911 or what it was, but anyway, he wanted to take me for a ride in it, right? So we jam out of the uh, out of this thing, this quarter mile, and we're doing almost 100 miles an hour when we hit the 90 degree turn. And um, so he pranks this thing, and the car, the whole car, is doing a four wheel drift sideways towards the curb, and there's a huge electrical box there. And I'm thinking, uh, we're either going to hit the curb and go into the electrical box, or we're going to flip completely over it and miss it. But um, this car is drifting towards that. And Hal is just you know, looking and like moving the wheel like it's no big deal. I'm thinking, we're dying. We're going to die right here. And the car catches and then starts to drift the other way. But now there's the, because it's a really short before you make this hard left. Wow. This whole car is drifting the other way to the other side of the curb. And he's like, you know, just turning the wheel and everything. I'm dying. The seat is puckered up, right? You know, I'm just, (laughs) I'm dying because we're going to die here. And he was no big deal at all. Oh, my God. And away we go. And oh, my gosh. But yeah. I could tell you hundreds of stories like that.
0: It's amazing that we're alive to talk about. (laughs) I I can't even imagine. Did you like yell like? Oh yes. Are you trying to kill me? What are you doing? Yeah, like let me out now. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. So so you know, and and I want to finish with this with you. You know, I'm sure that in your 38 years. Thirty-eight total, right? Yes, Thirty-eight. That um, that the, you um, have seen good people. <laughs> Doug says, "If you showed fear, he went faster."
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> That's oh my gosh, I, I'm sure you've seen good people um, come into. Um, you're the company little giant that had all the potential in the world but they just never found their groove and probably still haven't that you've had to let go or or have stern talkings to um i've been in the position of like lost all hope like, I, I don't like, I don't know where we go from here. Like, you know, one time I had a car repoed in front of my employees. <laughs> that was terrible, mm-hmm. terrible day, about 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. Oh, um, oh, uh, it was brutal. And, and you know, what do you say to somebody that has tremendous potential? But they just refuse to show up and do the work and 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 give it everything that they have. I mean, is it just get out of here, good luck, or is there is there is there something you do or say to motivate them to inspire them to to take different actions in life? You know, it's different for
1: every person because um, you know everybody uh, going through you know, one thing or another when they get into that, into that situation. I will say um, I've had a number of people after I've uh, let them go, fired them, uh, get up and hug me. And the reason being, um, I've always tried to help them beyond this job, know, hey, what could help you be better in the future for your next company, your next gig? Um, and, And that you have the potential but, but it's changes that only you can make the company can't make them for uh, for you and I think about um, you know once had a, a CFO who was so he had so much talent um, and and he had all the sheepskin right you know and I, I, I we started off with this I'm a high school graduate right yeah yeah um, he had all yeah I mean his MBA he had he had everything right more uh, you know, sheepskin hanging on the wall than most farms. So, um, but he couldn't execute, right? He could talk the talk, but he just couldn't execute. And, and and I've seen that in so many other cases where a lot of times people that are good at talking are not good at getting things done. That's not always the case, Mm. but, um, but you know, there are times where we have to point out, um, To people, one of the employees that we have right now in this company who's in a leadership role, um, I I brought him in one day and I just said, you know what, you've got so much potential and yet you come to work late every day, right? And then I see you kind of half-heartedly doing your job, moseying here, chatting with these people and... And, you know, just kind of you're, you're not in it. You know, what is there something going on in your life? Is there something that we can do to help? And do you even recognize that we, your your coworkers, see this? And, and I think it was an, an eye-opening thing for this individual. He's in a leadership role today and crushing it, just doing a fantastic job. But he realized it wasn't the company that was the problem. It was him. And I will say this about all of my failures in life. All of my failures have one thing in common, and that is Ryan Moss. That's the common element. And I think in this case, this particular uh, employee recognized, hey, I'm the only one that can change me being to work on time. And I'm the only one that can change my attitude. And I'm the only one that can change what I'm getting done in the day. And he turned, right? It was just, it was incredible to watch. And maybe it was because he realized somebody believed in him. Um, and I can tell you, you know, we talked a little bit about how I've, I grew up because, and maybe I'm blaming because I moved around so much as a child, I was very shy, um, no self confidence, no self no esteem, nothing like that. I still struggle with that, right? Um, but how saw something in me and he helped me see it in me. And and I try to do that for other people is to help them see what their potential is, and that any of us can accomplish anything. Yeah, uh, we can we can do it. And it's really up to us to change our mind first. Um, and when we change our mind, everything is everything is possible. And so um, I, I you know, unfortunately, have had to let a lot of people go over the years. Um, uh, 38 years, you can imagine that. Um, Yeah, right. And some of them self-select and they weed themselves out. But I always try to treat them with dignity, with respect, and um, and even offering to help them find another role that might be a better fit for them. But to help them understand that they really – have the potential to be successful. Have the potential to accomplish all of their dreams and do what they want to do. But it really has to start with them. It's 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 you know their opportunity to make of themselves what they want want to become.
0: Absolutely amazing answer. I I, I um I can remember to your point. I had um, I don't know if you know who Brian Tracy is, but. Yes. Um, I had Brian on the show about a month or so ago and and he made made a statement that I'll never forget that he said we were talking about something similar. And he said, when I when I took responsibility for everything in my life, my life changed. He said the moment that we we take responsibility, personal responsibility for everything that's the moment that we go from being a child to an adult. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, that's mind blowing he's, because he's right. I yeah. mean, it's so easy to blame the company, blame Ryan, blame the wing family, blame anybody but you. Right. Yeah. That's the easy well, way yeah. out. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. for sure. I think, uh, you know, that's kind of the, uh, that victim mentality that maybe is spreading too much in, 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 in our country. My wife and I were talking about that the other night of how prevalent that is. And that we always want to look for a, you know, a place to point, And we forget about the fingers that are pointing back to us when we're, when we're doing that. We're not, we're not victims unless we choose to be victims.
0: Amen. 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 And amen. Ryan Moss, the leader of one of the top ladder companies on planet Earth. I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you um, invested time and, and wisdom with, with me and the audience. And thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and just a, a little bit of your wisdom. It, it, it's incredible. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Ken, it's been it's been a privilege,
1: and um, thank you to your your audience uh, for for enduring this. I I, I asked uh, my assistant now why am I doing this, and <laughs> I said he he like talks to famous people. I'm I'm nobody, so well, I you're not I'm nobody. Honored, honored to be here, and uh, certainly don't measure up to the others that you've had on this on this show, but but thank you for for the opportunity.
0: In my opinion, you measure up definitely, like uh, against anybody. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's watched and, and and shared this out. If you haven't shared this out, you can still, there's time to redeem yourself and go ahead and share this out. And because there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom that we just experienced. So Ryan Moss, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And we will see you all later. I'm going to end the live stream now, but stay with me, Ryan, if you would. And we will um, we'll see you guys later. Have a great day. Thank you.